Welcome to Interfaith Ministries Interfaith Podcast Series, which is part of our Faith in Our City program under the umbrella of IAM's Dialogue Project. The Dialogue Project's Faith in Our City program is Interfaith Ministries' effort to increase religious literacy and break down walls of misunderstanding across religious traditions. We're grateful to the Freed Foundation for its support of this program. If you like what you hear and want to learn more, visit us at www.imgh.org for more information, to join our mailing list, and to donate. I'm the Reverend Greg Hahn, and I'm the Director of Interfaith Relations out of the Department of Interfaith Relations and Community Partnerships at Interfaith Ministries. And this series is an introduction to religions, but through learning more about the holidays and holy days of a religion. And today we're focusing on the Jain tradition. And I'm here at the Jain Society of Houston uh, with my friend Chini Mehta. Chini, it's, uh, thanks for your time. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the Jain community here in Houston, how big it is, kind of when the first families came? So I think the first families came maybe in the 70s. <laughs> Um, it was a very small community at the time. I think now we've grown up to about 600 families, mm -hmm. but a Jain community has definitely grown in the past several years. Um, in the last 15 years I've seen that I've been part of this community here in Houston, I've seen it grow almost our a Sunday school has doubled in size, mm -hmm. so it's grown quite a bit. Yeah, we. I think the Pachala, so our Pachala, our Sunday school is what we call Pachala. They started it in a, a warehouse mm -hmm. um, that they were running like a part of the warehouse they were running and there were maybe 12 kids there and they start and that was like in the late 70s wow. and then in the early 80s they I think they rented a, an office space and then um, and then I think in the 90s early 90s is when they decided that they needed a um, like a center they purchased this land and then I think in the 90 probably in 95 is wow. when they did the you know the open the doors right. basically to this particular temple where we're at Right now. Um, where are the other? Is, is Houston considered sort of a Jane epicenter? There's a strong community. Mm -hmm. where, where would where else would we look in the U.S. for significant Jane yeah. population? So New Jersey, I would say, is the biggest community. Um, they have two very big temples there and very very big communities. Um, Chicago and L.A. also have very big communities. I think Houston would fall after these three. But definitely growing. Uh, yes, Houston is one of the one of the biggest ones too, and you know a very big player. And yeah. we have a um, national organization called Jaina and but the like Houston is a big big part of that and okay. then we have many many very small communities um, you know maybe 50 families that type of thing so the Denver um, Atlanta has a temple but they're also relatively small Austin just recently built a temple so some of them yeah some of them are um, building um, it, there are several smaller temples in California area but LA is like the biggest one um, when people ask you well tell me about what you believe how, how do you summarize yeah. uh, the Jain tradition I would summarize Jain tradition as a focus on yourself Jainism believes that no one or nothing has the power over your soul you have full power to attain liberation but through your own actions or not go down that road of liberation also so you have the power and you have the responsibility no one else can affect your soul you and only you can have any say in what happens to you there's no helper uh, there is nobody's rules the, the rules that you follow are the rules of the universe every soul we believe that every soul is has the ability to, to attain liberation, whether it be an ant or a human being. Uh, nobody's higher or lower. An ant's soul is as equal 
as a human soul. So the soul has, all souls have divine power and the ability to reach nirvana. Let's shift the conversation over to talking about kind of the, the religious holidays and, and rituals within in the Jain tradition. Is there sort of a, a religious new year or a, that we could start and kind of use that as our anchor point moving through the year? So actually um, there are two I would say. There is an actual new year but we really in our minds it um, starts a little bit sooner than the new year with our um, holiday of pollution. Okay. So we follow the lunar calendar and so the dates keep changing. Sometimes the pollution is closer to the Diwali time frame when the new year is. But really for Jains it's pollution that's where kind of the year starts. Um, and, and, and in the solar calendar what, what kind of what part of the year are we talking um, about? It'll be general? around Sept August, September. And October. As we, and as we talked a little earlier before before we started recording that, there's um, often an extra month added to keep those holidays on a lunar calendar yes. within the same area of a solar calendar. So right. we'll usually find these holidays in the same part of the solar calendar? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we will never see it going from September to January okay. because of that extra month that eventually we'll end up adding. Okay, so, so we'll start with Periushan in somewhere in that September, October time frame. Right. So Periushan is um, basically in... in India the monks are not supposed to have any possessions and they're not really actually even supposed to stay in one place they're always supposed to be moving um, but during the monsoon season um, there's more violence in people traveling on the roads and so but again not violence human like physical violence like, like this is an interesting part of the Jain tradition what, yeah what, tell, what violence, do you mean by violence towards just the creatures, just smaller creatures, you know, just worms and, you know, frogs or ants, um, they might come out um, of the ground and so the monks were traveling mm -hmm. and the monks will travel bare feet. Um, they try to avoid any type of violence at any cost, but they're more likely to hurt uh, organisms, living organisms of even the smallest oh, uh, so uh, life, yeah. Um, so that it is better served for them to just stay in one place. So they are given the freedom and they're expected really to stay in a community. Um, it's called an upasre, which is in addition to a temple. Usually okay. there's a temple and there's an upasre, is a place to stay. There's a lecture hall, that type of thing. So they usually stay there. Mm -hmm. They stay there for four months. The monsoon season goes on for four months. Mm -hmm. And this is towards the, I would say, relatively towards the end of their monsoon season. So they have, uh, during the four months, they practice. And then before they're getting ready to leave and monsoon's about to end, then they will have take eight days uh, of pollution or 10 days of dust luxion, which falls right out after pollution. So the Gumbars um, celebrates, there's like Swetambars and the Gumbar, two types of Jains. Mm -hmm. um, so Swetambars will do their eight days. And then right after that, the Gumbars do the 10 days. So really it's 18 days of um, just a lot of um, contemplation, a lot of fasting, um, a lot of lectures that are going on uh, during the apostasy and the whole community gets together. Uh, they'll take time off of work and you know take eight days just to um, devote it to their souls and the upliftment and also to um, kind of start the year right fresh you know reminding ourselves of what is really important and kind of getting into that um, mm -hmm. mindset and they also believe that it's better to do it for um, for eight days because one one day is not enough you know um, it to um, 
get into the practice of the nonviolence and uh, of uh, self-contemplation of, um, um, you know, have the concept of aparigra, which is um, non-attachment to things. Um, it don't, you don't just learn it in a half an hour. <laughs> it, you have to listen, you have to absorb, then you have to listen again, you have to absorb. So just to kind of soak it in, it takes a few days to do it and they just felt that eight days was a good good enough time. Yeah. And then the 10 days is just the gumbars doing pretty much the same thing afterwards. Got it. Yeah. And you mentioned then there's a particular day at the end of Parushan that's yes. important. Yeah, so um, the last day of Parushan is a Samasari Pratikaman. And Pratikaman is like, um, it's about a, a three hour meditation session. And we take that three hours to go through all, we list out pretty much every, living organism that we could have harmed um, you know, throughout the year and we ask for forgiveness for harming them and, um, and if we, and the same thing we do for, we also forgive, we might have held a grudge against somebody. It's important to let that go too. Um, uh, there's a very good um, story they have. They say that if you, it's like your eye is the window to the world, but if you have a little speck in your eye, mm -hmm. it can make it so that you can't see and just taking that little speck out of forgiveness, it opens your world up again. So this, it's, it's such a small thing. Asking for forgiveness and forgiving is such a small step, but it can open your soul up. Wow. I get the feeling then that I think throughout the, one of the, the themes, one of the themes from, with Jane Holidays is contemplation and, and learning. Yeah. Those seem to be really, really important yes. through the holidays. Yeah, yeah. Most of the Jain festivals you'll find are not really festive in the, you know, where you're a lot of partying, a lot of partying or yeah. anything like that. It's more um, taking time from your regular life and reminding yourself of giving yourself time and making it a priority to observe yourself right. and work on yourself. Because as I said, ultimately I have the power myself. No one else has power over me. So it's up to me, especially as a human being. I, I, if I was an ant, I would not know right. to contemplate. As a human being, I have now the time to do it and I make time for everything else. But this is the most important thing because this is going to help me to reach liberation, right. like ultimate path where I need to be. I need to use this human life and it forces me to take that time right. and contemplate. Kind of moving forward, where would you where would you want to stop next on this on this journey? Right. So the next is Diwali, uh, which is also a Hindu festival, mm -hmm. um, and but in Jainism it is believed that on the day of Diwali, uh, Mah Mahavir Bhagwan, who is our last prophet, la last Tirthankar, uh, he attained Nirvana. So um, and then the next day after that is New Year's. So we believe that, um, so three days, two days before Mahavir Bhagavan attained Nirvana, um, we, um, you know, he started giving a sermon, which it lasted um, 48 hours, I believe, and then he passed. And then the next, next day, Gautam Swami, who was his prime disciple, um, he attained Kevogyan, like the final, yeah. uh, to be able to attain ultimate knowledge. Mm -hmm. We believe that as a human, you, you have the ability to do it, but you have to be 100% detached. And he, he was, Gautam Swami was Mahavir um, Bhagwan's prime disciple, and he <laughs> had love for him. 
and because of the love, it was stopping him to attain Kevogyan. So on the New Year's Day is when he attained. So um, calendar-wise, I think it falls like our first day of the year is the same day as the Hindu calendar, okay. which is there. So in Diwali, also the day after Diwali, like for Hindus too, it's New Year's, mm -hmm. and for us also it's. Technically, on the calendar, it starts on that and day. And that's usually somewhere between, uh, like, uh, the October-November Yes, October-November time frame, yeah, yeah. Again, it keeps changing because of the, uh, the lunar mm -hmm. calendar, but yeah, I've never seen pollution come after the valley. Right. Pollution's always before. Where will we stop um, next you know, on Then, our, on I our think journey. throughout the year, um, there are different festivals that are happening. Mm -hmm. um, so one I can talk about is the Napad Oli. Napad Oli is, hap it happens twice a year. Um, so it happens in uh, September, October, sometimes it's before Diwali, sometimes it's after Diwali. Mm -hmm. It's usually after Pryushan. And then again it happens in the April, March, okay. April time frame. And this is where we take nine days of fasting. Not everyone does it. You can do just one day. It depends. You, in Jainism you can do whatever you can. There is no, nothing required. There is nothing. You can do whatever you need to. but. It's up to you as to how far you want to go. Right. So some people will do nine days of fasting. Okay. Now this fasting is different. This is the fasting where they, it's called ambil. And um, so what happens is you eat once a day, um, but you eat, you're eating only for sustenance. So you eat food that has no spices in it. Um, it doesn't have any vegetables because green vegetables we believe has life. Um, so we're trying to re uh, minimize the violence as much as possible, but we keep feeding ourselves just so we can have the energy and we can kind of continue, but it doesn't have flavor. Um, it just gives you strength. So you do nine days of fasting um, and that happens again, uh, September, October time frame, and then again um, in April, in March, April. April. Yeah, so the other thing that happens throughout the year too is uh, Varshitap. Uh, which is one Varsh, Varsh is a year okay. and Tap is um, austerity. Okay. So it's a one year austerity. And here you take a vow, you're also supposed to do this once in your life. One year you would, um, and you make your own rules on what you wanted to do, but most of the time people will fast one day, eat once a day, and then eat twice. A day. Wow. Then they do fasting once, twice. They do a whole year of a whole this. Whole year of that. Yeah, and so and then varshitap, like the on the day, um, is when you do um, you break your fast. And so the story is that our very first Tirthankar, um, he was he when he came, there was no Jainism. He started, and it, at the time it wasn't called Jainism. It was called Shraman religion, um, but it's basically the same. The same philosophy, right? And when he became a monk, when he came out of fasting, nobody knew what to do. <laughs> so he would go to somebody's house and, and they would give him meat, they would give him, you know, and he's not supposed to take any of it. Yeah. And so they say that he, it took him a whole year and the timing is different. They, they said that at the time, you know, the people were taller, the, you, you know, time went by differently, but it took him a whole year for finally someone to understand, and it just so happened that his grandson realized and gave him sugarcane juice, and that's how he broke the fast. And so when we do Varshitab, then you know they break the fast with sugarcane sugar juice. juice. Yeah. I think the thing that I also want to remind um, listeners to, though, is I've been both to the JBB Preksha many times, as well as here at the Jain Society. 
these are happy places. Yes. <laughs> and so um, with these 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 practices of either austerity or or denial, you're you're not a sad community no, no. at all. No. I think in some ways that the the, the 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 paradox is through these through these um, these practices, there's a sense of true what what's truly joyful in life. Yeah. Um, knowing that your happiness doesn't depend on something is so liberating yeah. and freeing that uh, you feel very lighthearted. You know, uh, it also um, minimizes some of the stresses that we carry around in our lives. It just says nothing is that important. You know, just what is this? Your ultimate goal is your human. Your ultimate goal is to le to reach liberation. Don't sweat the small stuff, yeah. and it's very freeing. Are there any other, just kind of moving from moving through the year, are there any other particular holy days that you want to make sure that uh, listeners are aware of? Um, I mean, there's Gnyan Panchami, which is like a um, day that we take to, um, I guess, celebrate or pay homage to knowledge. Mm -hmm. As a human, you have the ability to learn, and it is... Um, and with learning, your your eyes open and your soul becomes brighter. Uh, it's able to shine. So they do take a day um, to kind of celebrate that mm -hmm. and to kind of acknowledge it. Um, then there is um, something called Mon Agyaras. And it's just this auspicious day. It just so happened and that on that day, many things happened over a period of many, many hundreds of years, right? So many uh, Tirthankaras attained liberation, or many attained Kevogyan, or, you know, many, many special things happened, and um, and it's called Mona Gyaras. Mm -hmm. So we celebrate that by staying quiet that day. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Mona Gyaras, yeah. So that's in December, usually around December time that that comes up. What is it that you want practitioners, people who experience these days, what is it that you want them to get out of it, to experience, to understand? Well, first, I think what they get out is the knowledge that they can do it. This, you know, when you get on a diet, you get scared. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, you know? Like, I mean, this is happening, I'm not just a religious, but as a human being, I'm, there are challenges that I will face and I will get scared. Um, one big thing about Jainism is the vows. You first take a vow. You say, I'm going to do this. And then you do it. And because you do that, you gain this confidence. Hey, if I could do this, maybe I could do a little bit more. You know, So kind of pushing yourself, pushing your limits. Just you are your own competitor, you know, and you want to do better next time. A second, um, I, I think that when you are fasting or you are meditating or you are calming yourself down, it, I feel like it just helps you, you know, you become, your blood pressure goes down, you know, you become a much calmer person. You kind of become more together and you are able to think wisely. Uh, I think it affects every aspect of your life, not just religious and spiritual aspect. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I, I found that people who are participating in these kind of fastings and everything, they're just naturally very zen-like uh, and just have a calm about them. When you're in their presence, it calms you. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what they they get out of it. And then ultimately, even the sense of community, you know, when you see everyone else doing it, it gives you the energy or the power or the, it's just, you. Let me try. If I, everyone can do it, I can do it right. too. So, so some of that as well that you get out of it. And ultimately, it's your own path and your own liberation. So you're hope, hopefully, you know, 
destroying your karmas and you're reaping the benefits from it. Thank you. Chinny, thank you so much for your time and for, uh, and, and, and for your hospitality here at the Jane Society. Uh, thanks again for joining us for this, uh, this edition of the Interfaith Podcast Series. Contact us at ircp at imgh.org or visit us at www.imgh.org where you'll also find a study sheet and a study guide for some of the terms and some of the, uh, the ideas that were mentioned in this podcast. And also learn more about us and how to support our work. Mm -hmm.